Welcome to the first season of Average Joe's Rawcast. My name is Joe Fuentes. I'm a husband, a father of two teenagers, a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. Also a father of four pets, two dogs and two cats. I've been a nursing home administrator since 2001. I am a co-owner of Chill Pots, a paint-your-own pottery studio. A very cool place that my run my wife runs on a daily basis. So welcome to my podcast and here we go. Okay, welcome back to my second podcast. Uh, had a lot of fun with my first podcast, so thought I'd come back and try it again. This podcast is kind of my little escape, a new hobby, I guess you could say, my escape from the everyday everyday grind. I just got finished cutting my lawn and uh, thought I would come up here and record a little podcast for everybody. And uh, I remember last time I said I would give an update on the fires here in Colorado. So um, as I'm looking out my window, I can see the outlines of the mountains. It's still pretty smoky here in Colorado. But uh, the Pine Gulch was the biggest one near Grand Junction. That's the big fire. That has burned 139,000 acres, which is 217 square miles, so a nice size fire, and it is 77% contained at this point. Um, Grizzly Creek in Glidwood Springs in the canyon, it has burned 32,500 acres, and that's 51 square miles, and it is now uh, 71% contained. Cameron Peak, which is the uh, fire west of Fort Collins, it is 23,000 acres burnt so far, 36 square miles, and unfortunately there's no containment on that. And then the last one is the Williams Fork, and it's by Frazier, and it's uh, burned about 12,000 acres, 19 square miles, and it's about 5% contained. So continued prayers to the firefighters and everybody in line of those fires. Hopefully those will get um, better containment. Hopefully we'll get some weather that will cooperate. And on the bright side, last week there was hardly any containment for those fires. So uh, we are seeing containment now and it's starting to cool down with the weather. We're starting to see a little more moisture, it looks like. So hopefully all of those will um, burn out and be put out and we can get our air, quality air back here in Colorado. So, uh, last week I also said I would give an update on our mass testing at the nursing home that I work at here in Windsor. We did mass testing for COVID-19 and mass testing that requires testing all residents and all staff. So that's 200 plus tests that we did. So this last Tuesday and Wednesday, everybody got tested in the facility that worked there and that lived there. Uh, Thursday and Friday, late Thursday and Friday morning, our results started coming back. And I checked the lab. I have an online access to the lab. It's Colorado State Lab. And I checked that thing about every 45 minutes to an hour. I was pretty anxious to get these results back. Everything Thursday, negative came back. So feeling pretty good about it. Friday morning, we had a bunch of results uh, come back. They were Staff results and resident results kind of mixed. We had negative after negative after negative, and then, oh, shit, there it was. 
one positive resident. So in the end, we had one positive resident, no positive staff, and none of the other residents were positive. Um, of course, that resident pretty much was asymptomatic, so they were surprised also that when we had to show them the results. Um, we did retest this resident uh, Friday afternoon because, you know, you hear about a lot of false positives and also false negatives. But um, so we sent the um, another test back in um, Friday afternoon. I checked right before I got on this podcast and I haven't got the results back from that lab yet, but we're hoping for a false positive. So fingers crossed there. Um, it kind of lines up. This resident that tested positive did have to go out for a test. Uh, I would probably last Friday or Friday after that. I can't remember when it was, but he uh, had to go out for a test and uh, he came back and it kind of lines up that he could have been exposed to something. So we still will keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. Uh, so what about all of Friday? Well, after we found out the results on Friday, after we had our positive, we really had to uh, start putting our isolation plan together, maintenance, put up a sheet on one of the halls, uh, put up a plastic sheet uh, with a zipper in the middle to isolate those rooms that we chose for um, that COVID positive resident and there's some, a couple others who had come back from the hospital that were also on isolation just for precautionary. So Friday, needless to say, was a very stressful and very busy day. So like I said last week, uh, when you have over 200 tests, the chances were that something was going to come back positive. I mean, I was hoping it would possibly be a PRN staff member that hadn't worked in a while. So all we had to do is send them home for 10 days and they weren't coming back to work and really hadn't affected anybody. But unfortunately that wasn't the case. So in Colorado and Weld County, we have one case now. I think we were the last building in Weld County to actually have a COVID case. So we were doing pretty well. Uh, one case is considered an outbreak, which I think is ridiculous and really stupid, but, um, yeah, they consider that a, an outbreak if you do have one case in your facility. So what else will this do? This will, of course, trigger a uh, survey, an infection control survey from the state. So this week, starting Monday, we will be on the lookout for a state surveyor or two coming in to give us a COVID infection control survey. And the funny thing about it, if you're not, if you've never been in a nursing home or you're not familiar with nursing homes, which most people aren't, um, you can get an infection control tag for almost anything under the sun. Even before COVID, it was the most cited tag in nursing homes. I mean, you can do the silliest things. You can touch the top of a cup accidentally. You can do, you can do, uh, you can actually put some linen up against your body. I mean, any little things and you can get a tag for that. And um, so what do you say? What are the ramifications of getting a COVID survey? Well, that opens you up to a lot of other things. They can go down other uh, areas and arenas. 
So you are whenever state survey comes into a nursing home, everybody gets a little nervous because, I mean, we're taking care of human beings that all have, um, we have 94 residents, they have 94 different personalities and 94 different sets of needs. So you can imagine how tough it is taking care of that many people and getting it perfect all the time. Um, just a little side note here. I was reading in one of my provider magazines, which is a nursing home magazine. Since March 4th of this year through July 31st of this year, CMS, which is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, they're the ones who control the surveys for the states, they have conducted more than 15,158 surveys. And with these surveys, they have imposed more than 15 million in civil money penalties. Let me repeat that, 15 million in civil money penalties. And that's to more than 3,400 nursing homes. And these were for infection control and not reporting COVID-19 uh, data correctly. And a little thing about that COVID-19 data correctly is when people were, um, when they were reporting that when this, you know, a couple of months ago when this was really hot and heavy, the system was down and messed up and it wasn't even recording people's reports uh, properly, but yet we're still getting fined. So yeah, that's when I said we're under a lot of scrutiny and we have a lot of civil penalties a lot of times and sanctions and that kind of thing that shows you right there 15 million dollars and that's uh that's only the span for march 4th to july 31st so yeah we we love to have these surveys in our facility let me tell you um so uh how how to balance the yeah, so speaking of these infection control surveys in the nursing homes, I mean, uh, if you look at our own private homes, you know, our homes that we live in now, just think uh, how many infection control violations we probably have. And we're not like a hospital at the nursing homes. We also have to make this a home-like environment for the residents. So you talk about a balance between infection control and making something home-like for the residents. I mean, it's almost an impossible task. It really is. Um, I get into these administrator forums from all over the country where they talk about different things. And it's kind of sad because I think every administrator going through this, this was a pretty tough profession, pretty tough job before COVID. Now it's kind of ridiculous, really, some of the pressures that are put on nursing homes and um you know, they're trying to ask for perfection when we're taking care of that many people and making it a home-like environment. That's going to be an impossible task for anybody. So, you know, with all the pressure and continued scrutiny on administrators, you get on these forums and they're continually uh, talking about an out plan. It's almost like the nursing home administrators live in New York or L.A. where anybody you hear about from New York and L.A., they're always having these out plans where... I'm getting the hell out of here because, uh, you know, this this is not going the way we want to. So maybe we have to stick with it now. But we always have an out plan here. And uh, it's interesting because I, I swear every nursing home administrator I even talk to locally here, they question themselves whether they want to do this in the future or not.
And uh, that's not good for the profession as a whole, of course, but people have to look out for themselves too. And I think something has to come to a breaking point with this. Uh, I mean, I could go on a nursing home rant here, but I'll save that for maybe a later date. Uh, the government, you know, if they want to continue giving us monetary penalties like this and making the jobs so hard and, you know, they want to continue to uh, have scrutiny on the nursing homes, then they're going to lose a lot of people. They already have, um, you know, just in the district around here that I belong to, there is a lot of turnovers with nursing home administrators and directors of nursings. And you know what? There's an easier way, way to make a living a lot of times. And people are seeing that. I mean, uh, when you're under that kind of stress, is it really worth it? You got to ask yourself to take years off your life. And for what? Um, what's really going to result from all this? So if the government wants to take over nursing homes, I guess good luck. But we see how you run the Veterans Administration. We see how you run the damn post office. And we see how you run other institutions. You guys have never ran businesses. You don't have to make a payroll. You don't have to make a profit. You just ask the citizens for more taxpayer money. So, yeah, you, you have all the answers, right? No, you don't. We get infection control surveys in our... We've had a couple in our uh, nursing home here in town. And at one point, it's kind of funny because these two veteran nursing home uh, surveyors came in and they wore gloves, did not take gloves off the entire time they were there, did not ever wash your hands because they had gloves on. And when we questioned them about this, we were like, why would you touch all these surfaces? Never take your gloves off and never wash your hands. And they said they were instructed by their boss to do that. So these are the kind of people that we have to uh, be the, have, have control over the nurse homes and are the experts that are surveying us. I mean, what a crock of shit. They've probably, these are veteran uh, surveyors too. So they've probably given countless numbers of infection control tags to nursing homes but yet they don't follow their own protocol they don't follow the own, their own infection control uh, processes so yeah i mean there's no wonder that there might be a mass exodus of dons and administrators out of the industry which is a sad thing but like i said is it worth it to take years off of your life i think each of us have to kind of look at ourselves and the industry and see what we need to do and um, it'll be really interesting to see the turnover and see uh, what comes in nursing homes here in the near future so there we go there's my update so i have to get something off of my chest here um, i would call this next seg segment jackass of the week but uh, this guy that i'm going to talk about he's been a jackass much longer than a week so I'm going to rename this segment because you know what? I used to own a donkey or a jackass on my little farm in Kansas. And his name was Oops. He was named after a Care Bear my daughter loved. And he was a really cool donkey. So I don't want to insult Oops by calling this guy I'm going to talk about a jackass. I love that donkey too. We had a pretty good bond. I uh, remember I looked up on YouTube and I saddle broke 
broke him by watching videos on YouTube so my kids could ride him. And I also made a harness for him so he could pull them around on a sled. Oh, those are some good times. But you know what? I digress. Uh, let's get back to this guy I'm going to talk about. I got to get off my chest. So uh, this despicable human of the pandemic, how about I call him that? So this despicable human of the pandemic, this guy I'm talking about just wrote a book that is coming out called American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. So if you're familiar with that book, if you've seen it out, yes, I am talking about the scumbag Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. And it says his new book includes leadership advice. Wow, <laughs> ain't that rich is all I can say. I don't know if you've heard about this guy, and I will tell you why I detest this POS so much. And POS does not stand for pretty outstanding person. No, it stands for piece of shit because that's what he is. Back on March 25th of this year, he had an order out of his office that directed nursing homes in New York that they were required to accept COVID-infected patients from hospitals. Well, duh, genius. Anybody can guess what happened there. You can uh, see what that decision caused. Yes, it caused an insane death toll in nursing homes. I'm talking about 6,421 residents. And uh, that's a report from the state of New York, but here's the kicker on that number. Experts say it's closer to 8,000 deaths because his office, this Cuomo's office, directed state health officials in New York not to count death as a nursing home death if they were sent to the hospital and died there. So they could be on death's door at the nursing home, but if they hurried up and sent them out via ambulance and they died in the hospital, they just considered that a hospital death that they never got anything in the nursing home. So a lot of transparency, honesty, and truthfulness from this guy, huh? What really grites me is this scumbag has taken no accountability for his part in all these deaths. Because you know what? Really, all leaders make mistakes. I mean, I know this. I make a lot of mistakes as my leadership and people that work under me could probably tell you that. And you know what, though, I try to uh, take responsibility for that. And so do other leaders. And you know what, make it better. Try not to make those same mistakes, but at least take accountability, you know, and I think that's fine if you do. But instead, when asked about this policy to put COVID residents back in the nursing homes, he deflected it on the Trump administration. And he also blamed nursing home administrators in New York saying they shouldn't have accepted those residents back, although it was an order from his office. So you can see why I despise this guy. Um, no accountability, makes mistakes, kills that many people directly from his stupid policy. And apparently this despicable human being has no shame. He is also cracking down on nursing homes in New York because obviously they are not doing things right with all those deaths that occurred. So it's a typical, you know what, this piece of shit's covering his ass because um, he has to blame it on somebody. He has to deflect it on somebody. Um, I'm on administrative forum. I've said that before. That includes admins from New York. And uh, so they're, they really gripe and they 
talk about how on the weekends they have to send in reports and different things like that because, you know, the, his own mistakes that Cuomo's made. He's starting to crack down the nursing homes and making it very tough in New York. Um, and, you know, to show his great leadership, needless to say, those administrators are very uh, frustrated. So, you know what? Let's blame the nursing homes. Let's blame the Trump administration. Let's blame everybody but the man in the mirror. And you know what? Let's have the balls to write a book about it. So, yeah, his administration continues to downplay those deaths and defend his asinine policy. And some of the press is actually praising him for his leadership, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, the press is not real bright at times. And obviously some dumbass publishing company thinks he's okay because they're publishing a stupid book. So really the balls on this guy, he's not only doesn't take responsibilities for his decisions, but he writes a book on leadership. Huh. Let me ask you guys this. Isn't this like taking navigational advice from the captain of the Titanic? I mean, all I can say is at least the captain of the Titanic had decision, uh, the decency to go down with his ship. Cuomo has too much arrogance and people praising his dumbass to resign. So no, I won't be making a trip to Barnes and Noble anytime soon to buy that wonderful book. Although I'm sure it will be very self-reflective and truthful from this quality human being and stand-up guy. So yeah, this guy definitely is the despicable human of the pandemic. I don't care what any of you say. Okay, in the news. So I was looking in the news and I see that the NBA was going to stop playoffs due to the shootings in Kenosha, Wisconsin of, the, of Jacob Blake. And I got to thinking, uh, who actually watches the NBA anymore? I mean, I used to be a huge NBA fan, but that was back when Bird and Magic uh, in their era and even up and through the Jordan era is when I was a big fan. I don't think I've watched an entire game since then, and I really don't know anybody that is a real hardcore fan these days. Um, I will just tell you right now, I'm not a real LeBron James fan. I don't understand how he criticized the United States so much and calls it a horrible country when he has uh, made a fortune, and he's pretty much beloved by a lot of people here in the United States. But... Um, he doesn't say anything about China. And I mean, they have that long record of horrible human rights violations, and that even continues today. Uh, but LeBron has some lucrative deals with the Chinese and some Chinese ties with some companies over there where he makes a lot of money. So why would we listen to this hypocrite is what I was thinking. You know, um, when it comes right down to it, he makes a lot of money with China, so he don't want to say anything or step on any toes over there. Yeah, that's hypocrisy. And you know what? I think it's their right to protest. I could care less. You know, you can protest peacefully anything you want. But you know what makes me sad? Is nobody such as in the NBA or NFL is using their star power to bring light on all the shootings and needless deaths in Chicago. Um, what I'm saying is, where are the Bulls, the Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Blackhawks, all Chicago teams? I would say it's a pretty worthy cause to go out and protest or at least bring 
attention because the last count, there have been 485 people killed in Chicago so far this year. And 2,694 people have been shot. And I mean, this weekend's not over. And we know how weekends go in Chicago, so I'm sure those numbers are probably up by 100 or 200. Isn't that sad? And you know what? The majority of these people that are being shot are black citizens. So if they want to bring light to Black Lives Matter and that sort of thing, my God, 2,694 people shot. I would think that would be a pretty worthy cause to put their star power behind. And, you know, that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, it's funny. Uh, I don't think she has a clue what to do. Well, in fact, I know she doesn't, or wouldn't she be doing something? And uh, she did push back with a letter to the White House, and she told President Trump in a letter, we need you as a president to take a leadership role in enhancing meaningful and common sense gun legislation, which you so far refuse to do. So this is her answer to stop all these shootings and deaths. Let's say legislation was passed today that no one in Chicago can own a gun. How many shootings would this stop? What is your immediate plans, Mayor? She wants to not increase the police, but instead invest in social services and mental health care. You know what? I agree. This is a nice long-term plan. But how will you protect your citizens now? Plus, you know what? I know some social workers. They don't want to go. They aren't trained to prevent or stop shootings. So that's not a good plan right now. How many people does it take to get shot or lose their lives before they have more police press presence or even National Guard presence? You know what? I'm sure the innocent citizens are not going to shun this help because their mayor's plan is not working. This makes me really sick. Uh, these poor people of Chicago have to live in this climate because no one will help them right now. I certainly hope that sports stars are not just ignoring these black lies because it's not sexy. You know, because the cops didn't shoot these victims. Is that why we're not protesting? That really makes me wonder. Hmm. So I'm going to call this next segment, Weed Rants and Stories. So Colorado has become the weed, the big weed state. You know, marijuana. You can't go anywhere without smelling it. But I think the pot smokers try way too hard to convince or persuade everybody it is so great with little downside. So here's my little rant and stories on weed. And oh, by the way, why does it have to be so damn strong? From what I've read, it's 40 times more potent than just 10 years ago. When they say a couple of puffs goes a long way, believe them. And you don't necessarily need to eat the entire gummy. Trust me. But anyway... Uh, so I went to this reggae concert in Winter Park. It was with one of my favorite artists, Ziggy Marley, you know, Bob's son. And I kept hearing Rastafari. Then I would smell their sacraments. So I did a little research. And their sacraments are called ganja or their wisdom weed. 
I dig how Rastafarian Jamaicans have their ganja, or what we call weed, as part of their religion. Kind of similar to Native Americans with their peyote. If I'm starting religion, I'm going to incorporate drinking Crown Royal, Blue Moon, or a psychedelic in my religious practice. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, look at those fools who started these religions from other parts of the world. Jews, Catholics, Muslims, Puritans, and the newer United States religions like the Mormons and the Seventh-day Adventists. They are all strict and tell you to stay away from mind-altering substances. Huh, why? If you're starting religion and have an open rule book, I mean, you're writing this book all on your own. Would you keep these substances out? Shit, not me. I mean, the communion cup, taking a sip of wine, or in the Protestants, a sip of grape juice, I've never seen God after a sip of wine, and sure as hell haven't after a sip of juice. Pretty sure not the same as smoking ganja all day. I'm sure they see God or aliens or even fairies or something pretty magical. Also, it's kind of weird throughout time we all know that people can interpret the Bible or any of the holy books pretty much any way they want to. I mean, let's be real about it. For example, and I love this, by the way, Rastafarians, they justify their use of ganja with the Bible. They use Psalms chapter 104, verse 14 that says, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. So the, for the Rastafarian herb goes right to ganja as their interpretation Really? So never basil or dill, parsley or mint as their holy herb? Yes, 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 I know. I get it. I realize none of these herbs get you high. Duh. But can you imagine if Rastas would have interpreted this Bible verse as, let's say, mint instead of ganja? History would definitely be different. Today we'd probably be saying, well, those Rastafarians dreadlocks still smell funky. But their minty breath is simply delightful. All reggae concerts would be like a damn gum commercial with the minty smell instead of the smell of weed. I shouldn't make such a generalization and judge the smell of dreadlocks. Because honestly, believe it or not, I really haven't smelled that many dreadlocks in my life. I'm going by an experience I had riding in an Uber in Miami. I was at the airport for work and had a delayed flight. So we got in late and took an Uber to the hotel. Three co-workers and myself, and of course, we load up in a car, and I was in the back seat right behind the driver. This Uber driver had long dreadlocks that smelled like a combination of sweat, ass, and of course weed. I'm pretty sure he was faithfully practicing his freedom of religion on his way over to the airport to pick us up. Not sure what kind of ganja this jerk-off was smoking, but it certainly wasn't the wisdom weed, let me tell you. This dude was so high, he had to ask one of my co-workers to Google the hotel because he couldn't figure out his Google Maps. And remember, he's an Uber driver, so I'm thinking he might have utilized Google Maps before. Hmm. Now that's fucking high. Just saying. I'm shocked he didn't call shotgun and ask someone else to do a little solid for him and drive him so he could practice his faith in the passenger seat.
I mean, products like Alpha Brain probably don't work for everyone, so I'm sure not every brain can take full advantage of the wisdom weed either. You know, I'm a little confused, too, where the balance is with the whole smoking weed and work. I was listening to a radio show out of Denver, and they had people call in and tell their occupation, and that, of course, they smoked weed and were high at work. So all these callers pretty much were waking and baking and smoked throughout the workday. I mean, these, these professions included taxi drivers, and you already know about Uber drivers, mechanics, linemen, and I'm not talking about the NFL linemen. I'm talking about the guys that climb the poles and mess with electricity and power lines. Shit, I'm not sure whether to be impressed or scared. And, of course, teachers. I mean, come on. Do they ever really get drug tested? <laughs> There were healthcare professionals that called in too. And of course, I work in the healthcare industry, so not super shocked. With a couple of nurses I know, I wish they would smoke weed. They would probably be much easier to be around. So it's kind of funny though. My wife used to run a guttering company. Yeah, before her paint your own pottery chill pot, she ran a guttering company. You know, guttering like hanging gutters on the house that drain the rain and snow. I mean, it's a hard manual labor job in the heat. And my wife was a little naive when she started scheduling crews to gutter. And she found out pretty much her entire crew was getting high when hanging gutters. One day she asked one of her crew members as she was a little appalled, How do you hang gutters while you're high? Her crew guy looks her in the eye and says, Have you ever hung gutters not high? It sucks. I thought that was a pretty funny response. I guess this is pretty much the norm, it appears, in a lot of jobs and professions in Colorado. Uh, try doing this shit not high. I mean, I know weed is probably better than alcohol and other drugs on your on you physically and such, but damn, I'm sure uh, not sure about the whole being high at work all the time. Still wrapping my mind around that one. Especially if these people are working on my car brakes airplane engine, and food production line. I mean, there could be issues there. I guess what I'm trying to say in this little ranting story about weed, I mean, smoke and eat your weed, but really don't try to convince everyone that's the ultimate cure-all. I mean, a war weed, according to some, is like a combination of aspirin, NyQuil, and the anti-aging miracle drug. And that weed can even cure cancer. And of course, the smoke from the joint is like a massage on the lungs, not like harmful cigarette smoke. Yeah, right. That's why people cough and choke while partaking in the marijuana. Makes a lot of sense. I don't know what to what's totally true or not, but come on, people. Just smoking and enjoying. Don't always try to convince everyone it's the miracle cure-all. You sound like a fucking snake oil salesman when you continually bloviate on the miracle of weed. Again, just enjoy, but maybe not at work if my health or life depends on it. So my next segment is the uh, Hispanic word of the day. But we'll take a little detour with that also today. Um, in my weed rant, I talked about Ziggy Marley. So in honor of Ziggy Marley, one of my favorite artists, we will have a couple of reggae Rastafarian jokes. So my first joke is, why did Ziggy Marley fell as a locksmith? Because he dreadlocks. 
<laughs> okay, my second one is, what do you call the older reggae star who hasn't performed in years? He's called Rustafarian. All right, so we'll go over to my uh, Hispanic word of the day. Uh, the word of the day is consider. I told my mom I would watch after my nephew that just got out of prison. Never thought I would be a consider. All right, and there we go. There's your Hispanic word of the day. So my next thing here is to end my podcast. It was my wife's birthday yesterday. So I wrote a little poem for her and my lovely wife. She does everything for us, uh, me and the kids. She's a hard worker. She's a dedicated partner. She's a great friend. So I wanted to give her a little shout out with my poem here and wish her a happy birthday. Um, so here you go, Amanda. I love you and I hope you enjoy this. I wanted to jot down a few lines to honor the date of your birth. Seems like I can never make the perfect plans to show you your true worth. You have grown as a woman so much in your 41 years. We have had so many good times and also shed some tears. Although this year has been a challenge and quite frankly a pain in the ass, we must always remember my love, this nonsense too shall pass. We always get through anything when we work together, just like always with our love, any storm we can weather. You are the best wife, mother, and businesswoman me and the kids could ask. Thank you for all you do and pulling my weight many times without taking me to task. You are a special lady and we love you more than you know. I look forward to the next year with you as together we grow. Me and the kids love you, Amanda. So that is the end of my rawcast today. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Um, look forward to doing this next week. I had fun with this. So hopefully we see and you can hear me next Sunday. Thank you guys.